Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. All right, guys, everybody getting ready for uh, for their summertime. I know I am. Um, summertime is particularly stressful for me because that's when the kids are out of school, man, and there's a bunch of screaming and a bunch of, bunch of wildness, and it's chaos in my world of peace. And I think, uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun this summer, but it's definitely gonna it's gonna test me. And uh, that's what life's all about. It's about constant tests. But one day, like I say, we're gonna look back and wish you had some of these stressful moments. And that's what I try how I try to keep it in perspective. I uh, it's getting hot out, man. And I was thinking, <laughs> I was remembering when I was a kid in the summer and the last days of school, how exciting it was and. I didn't have the privilege of um, getting dropped off at school regularly. I mean, my mama took us to school a couple times in her old beat-up Ford Tempo. My daddy took us to school a couple times here and there. Uh, but for the most part, we rode, to, um, we rode the school bus. And back then, school buses, <laughs> the school bus down south, there was no air conditioning. And I remember we had a, um, we had a bus driver. Her name was Barbara Jean. And Miss Barbara Jean was mean as shit. And she actually got caught drinking beer and driving the school bus when we was on the motherfucker. Like somebody, somebody, somebody's parent complained. And then it was this whole thing. And, um, yeah, so Barbara Jean got got caught with, with that can. I want to say Budweiser or some shit. But, anyway, I'll never forget Miss Barbara Jean. Like, that woman on that bus, we were so disciplined. On that bus. If you made a noise. I mean that woman liked a quiet bus. You couldn't get out of hand. I would later go on and have different bus drivers. And and you could just get away with anything. Not with Barbara Jean. I'm going to tell you. I was just. It was made me smile this morning. I was on the beach with my kids. And I was watching them play. They skipped their last day of school. And I, you know, I kind of let them. And I was thinking. I was like man. These little motherfuckers don't even know. <laughs> how good they have it. I remember one time. Miss Barbara Jean. Somebody busted one of them. Y'all, do you guys know them old stink bombs and them old and them old glass containers? Um, so, if you don't know what that is, you, you I don't know. I'm not. This isn't an insult, but you're probably a millennial because I don't think that millennial kids had access to this. But anyway, my generation we had a we had a glass container and it had like this yellow liquid in it. And if you busted that motherfucker, it would stink to high. It was just, it's, it's like it was sulfur is all it was, but it stunk so badly. And I remember somebody busted one of those on Barbara Jean's bus. 
Look, it's already hot as shit down south. But you you do this the day you go to jail. I remember Barbara Jean. She didn't even act up. She said, all right. She pulled that bus over to the side of the roads. She stood up and she goes, y'all up them windows. That's what they say back then, up them windows. And we didn't have any air conditioning. She shut the bus off. She shut her little vent window she had. She had a little fan up there. She turned her fan off. Barbara Jean would smoke cigarettes too. And uh, we upped the windows. She got out and shut the school bus door. And we sat on the side of the road for like 20 minutes baking in that fucking sun. I mean bacon. And I remember exactly where that bus was off of Highway 46. I remember exactly where we pulled over. And sometimes I laugh when I go home and see my parents. I'll pass that spot and I just I just start smiling, dude. I'm like, fucking, you imagine a bus driver now making everybody up the windows, sitting in the hot, damn near triple digit heat in the first week of June when you're trying to kids trying to get out of school. And and fucking sweat to death and bacon inside that bus holy shit miss barbara jean rest her soul i don't know if she's still alive. i don't know how that woman would be alive anymore because she was um she was a go-getter she was uh she went hard in the paint i love riding that old dirty ass school bus though man i'm gonna tell you because we we used to uh i was always the last stop and, and where we lived back when i was in my uh right before i started driving so I was 14, on 15 right before I could get my driver's license. I lived down a mile and a half long dirt road. And my stop was the last stop. Our bus ride every day was about an hour and a half total. Um, because we, we went to school in Hilton Head, uh, Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. And then all the poor kids, we lived over in Bluffton. Well, I lived out in a place called Pritchardville, which has never been heard of. Or you would never hear of it. It's just not even a spot on a map. Pritchardville is just a small little little area where a lot of the not so not so fortunate kids lived, and um, that bus would go from Hilton Head, and we take that hot ass route, and we would go down dirt roads because everybody lived down dirt roads. They dropped these kids off, and then mine was the last stop, and um, we go down that bumpy ass dirt road. The school bus would half beat you to death. Them dust would be flying in the windows you couldn't see. Everybody's getting choked out by the dust. God almighty, what a life. Man, looking back, these kids are spoiled to death. So, being it, I think is an appropriate, I guess it's appropriate topic, I don't know. Um, summertime is here. The kids' last day of school is today. And my girls wanted to skip school. Not skip, but they are just like, Daddy, do we have to go? And I was like, you know, no, shit. I mean... Everybody's already checked out anyway. Um, so I decided this morning to keep both these girls against my better judgment. Because, look, I don't pretend like I'm father of the year by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm actually not proud to say it, but it is true. I have a very tough time being with my children alone. And I talked about that in um, Parenting with Post-Traumatic Stress in the very first episode. I'm leaps and bounds uh, beyond where I used to be. I'm actually not scared to be with them anymore. Um, I remember in their early years, I was actually terrified. I mean, damn near to the point of paralysis when I would have to keep my kids for even an, an, an hour. I couldn't do it because it was uh, it was too detrimental to my mental health. And, you know, one day they're going to grow up and they're going to hear this. And I hope that they understand it had nothing to do with them. It was everything to do with me. And daddy was just sick. 
but daddy busted his ass to work through the problems. And I think that's all we can do is we can work on getting better. We recognize that we have problems and we have an issue versus just letting it stay the same forever. You know, I'm a much better father than I used to be as far as, um, temperament goes anyway, but I'm going to tell you, them little motherfuckers, they tested me this morning. Listen to this shit. And it doesn't take much. And that's why I kind of want to ask you guys. It's, uh, do you, do you have a tipping point when it comes to kids? Like what I try to do now, I really try to control the volume of my voice. I try not to, um, explode on them. I, I never cuss at them. They'll hear me. Like if I'm outside, God damn motherfucker shit. You know, I'm, I'm not going to filter them from who I really am, but I'm never going to direct it at them. Um, I think it's funny when, when another adult cusses in our presence, they're like, Oh damn it. And then they'll look at you like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I promise you these kids are borderline white trash right now. So do not worry about what you say around my kids. They are not sheltered. Um, they are very, very aware of the bad words that are out there. So, um, but anyway, this morning it's a, it's the littlest things. And this is, and these are those, uh, there's things that people like us go through. It's, it's very hard to uh, to explain and to put in words. And I'm, I'm probably going to have a difficult time doing it here. I'm going to try. Uh, this morning, we had a simple task of just, hey, girls, I'm going to skip the gym today. And I'm going to take you all to the beach this morning. And we're just going to have a good day. And these girls, they started packing everything. And they were excited. And, and I'm standing there. I said, look we're not going on a field operation like, like we're in the military here. We're not going out for three days without meals. We're literally going a mile down the road to the goddamn beach. And you don't even have to wear shoes. If you don't want, we can just drive there on the golf cart or we can take the car. That's, but you guys are packing like you're going to fucking Kuwait to live in the desert. I understand it's sand, but why are you taking three days worth of food? And that, I say, seriously, they were packing everything. I think these girls, I think, I think girls in general, they just love to pack stuff. I mean, they're packing outfits. They got goddamn blow dryers. And I'm like, where, where are you poppy? My little one's got a generator and an extension cord. I'm like, where the fuck are y'all coming up with this stuff? So anyway, I'm, my blood's starting to boil. Cause I'm trying to get out the door and they don't understand. Like, look, I'm not going to be out there when it's hot. I like getting to the beach early and getting the fuck out of there before it even gets mildly uncomfortable. I do not like sitting in the sun. I like just getting out there doing my sunrise thing. Let's go play in the water. Y'all go play and build your little castles and, and we're out of here. All right. Well, we were, we were ready to go. And Poppy, my youngest one is walking out the door and I didn't really mean I want you to go barefoot because I did want to take them to breakfast afterwards. So we knew we needed shoes. Okay. And I looked down and I said, where are your flip flops? Oh, she said, oh, okay. Hang on, daddy. I'll go get them. I said, all right, y'all. This girl comes out wearing goddamn stripper boots, like winter style boots. We're going to the beach to get wet. These things are furry and she's going to ruin them. First of all, y'all probably like, well, why she got goddamn stripper boots look there ain't no hope for this kid i know i know where she's gonna go i'm kidding um she just had on them little furry um uggs or whatever they're called whatever y'all call them but so now i look at her and i said poppy i started getting more stern and then i could feel my blood boiling i said go get your flip-flops and she goes daddy i don't know where they are and and first thing i said of course you don't and i had to walk outside 
I was boiling. And go back to that episode. Guess what saved me? It don't mean nothing. I walked outside and I was so pissed because these kids, they just take forever to get ready. And I understand they're girls and I understand when they, when they get older, it's going to get harder, but I'm just not a patient man. I'm not a patient dad. That's what I want to get. I am very, very alpha esque and I don't like waiting for people. I don't give a shit who it is. I have actually canceled things because people were one minute late. And I know that sounds bad. And I know it sounds kind of dickish, like, ah, damn, dude, a minute late. Let me tell you something. I learned this a long time ago. I learned this in the Marine Corps. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're fucking late. There is no excuse. You will never find out Travis Howes is late for anything. It won't happen. I'm telling you right now, it just doesn't happen because I prepare so much to be on time that I'm always that asshole that is so fucking early. I'm annoyed. And now I'm waiting on you because I'm there three hours beforehand. You think I'm bullshitting? Ask my friend, Randy, my friend, Randy, we talk about it all the time. If I have an appointment at 11 o'clock, I'm there at 10 o'clock. There is no room for me for errors with me. And so when my timeline starts getting pushed back because of other people, Man, I get fucking heated. Anyway, what I'm getting at is I started thinking, I started feeling bad about being the father that I am. And I started having all this guilt. And it it goes back to a lot of the things I've experienced. And um, I've had a, a lot of guilt in my life. But now this is a different guilt. I feel like, man, my kids are suffering because, still suffering because of who I am, because of the way that I am. You know, my past doesn't define me. I'm refined because of my past, but there's certain things that I just cannot let go. Like I I have zero tolerance for certain things. And I'm like, all right, my kids are five and are seven. And why are they, they are controlling how I'm feeling. Why is this? And I think it's because if they were adults, I could break it off in their ass. Or I could just completely change situation and be like, you know what? I'm not doing this today. Y'all go figure it out for yourself. But I'm, I'm over here. I have to be the entertainer today. I have to be the provider, the protector, the entertainer. I have to do all these things. So I have to submit to this. And I'm not good at submission. I'm not good at that. And so I started feeling horrible. And I started thinking to myself, why am I like this? Is this because I'm selfish? Or is this just because I'm too alpha? And I'm too, hey, my way or the highway. And I don't want to be like that. I just, I, I'm not trying to control everybody around me. That's not what I do. But I started thinking, I know so many fathers that are beta males. They try to, they pretend to be alpha males amongst their peers. But when you watch them, to me, they're betas. They're just, they're wired differently. And I don't think a lot of alpha type personalities can handle being around children too much. And if if I'm wrong, I'm fucking wrong. But this is just obviously my point of view. I know people, I know grown ass men who can just have these lengthy conversations with kids. They can just seem happy all the time and yay. And they're complete strangers to the kids. And it's just fucking weird for me. Like you need your own goddamn ice cream truck. You fucking weirdo. 
I can't do that. I can tolerate kids in small doses. I only show you all the pictures on social media of me being a fucking great dad. I promise you there's plenty of times if there were video of me fucking getting it, getting in their ass around here, y'all'd be like, "Oh shit." So, I'm not sitting I'm being transparent. I'm not trying to pretend to be dad of the year cuz I'm not. I'm not even dad of the month or dad of the week or dad of the day. I mean, I have my faults. But I started thinking about this and I felt so badly that when we got to the beach, I called my dad. My girls are down there playing and I said, dad, I said, I need to talk to you about something. And he says, what? And he says, you know, you gay. And I go, yeah, but besides that, um, <laughs> I said, I said, I, I don't understand why I get so heated. Like, it's not that I act anything out, but, but I don't, it stresses me out. I guess I should say with, with my kids sometimes, I don't know why I get so stressed and I feel all this turmoil inside of me. And I said, did I do that to you when I was a kid? Because my dad is exactly the same way as me. He doesn't tolerate any bullshit. We have an old saying in the South. I don't chew my cabbage twice, which means I don't repeat shit that I say. My uncle was like that. My grandfather was like that. My daddy was like that. I'm like that. I think it's just the cloth that I'm cut from. And when I look at them, they're all alpha males. There's nothing beta about any of these dudes. Nothing. They don't let other people control them. They don't let other people tell them what to do. They make the decisions. It's just, that's just how it is. Um, and my dad said, yeah, you pissed me off plenty of times. And he said, but you weren't a little girl. He said, you know, you were a little weak bitch at some, sometimes, but you know, and not not fucking kicking the ass and a slap in the fucking head wouldn't, wouldn't fix, you know, um, But maybe it's because you have little girls and you have to handle that so delicately and you can't say the things that you'd want to say. And I go, yeah, you're exactly right. Because I told my wife when when we found out we were pregnant with both of our kids, I hope we have girls. And I'm not like most men. I never wanted a boy. I don't want it. I didn't want to carry on the, the, the family name. I didn't want to do any of that shit. And you know why? Because my expectations of a boy would be so fucking high that I don't think he'd be able to achieve them. And... I'm, I know that sounds like another shitty thing to say, but I have a problem with the way culture has watered down men and our society are stripping men of their masculinity. And I refuse to let it happen to me. And I see the way where we live in the environment that we live in. I don't see one little young man being raised. I see a bunch of little pompous fucking pussies, honestly, being raised. And it concerns me. And I'm glad we didn't have boys because I see the boys that are being raised around us. And that would be the influence on my boys. You know, I can only jerk a knot in their ass so many times, but they have to grow up around other boys. And I think, I think that's what helps form us. Everybody. It's like everybody's little girls now and toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity. Kiss my fucking ass with that. I mean, men were created to be men. Girls were created to be girls. We need both. I'm not saying every every little boy out there has to be he-man. I'm not saying that at all. But they have to have manly traits. And if you don't think we're being watered down as a society, look at TV, right? Case in point, when I see a commercial come on, you never see a, see a television commercial with a manly man in it anymore. They'll put a fucking chin strap beard on some little frail motherfucker that looks like the wind's going to carry him off. You know, and he's getting bossed around by his old lady or his gal or whatever. And she's making him, you know, fucking cook dinner and wash dishes with her feet up on the, on the couch. That's, that's what's being portrayed. And it's kind of like, God damn, 
We're the fucking men. You remember brawny paper towels? You could clean up fucking tears with brawny paper towels back in the day. Weak bitch tears, like beta male tears. Wipe up your fucking tears, you soft motherfucker, with these with this brawny paper towel. And you had this big, just ogre of a man. You don't see brawny paper towels anymore. You don't. Even, you don't. Even, you know what? You know what else you don't see? Mister Clean. They have taken Mister Clean off the shelves. <laughs> There's no men anymore. I was walking down the beach today. I was out there with my girls, and uh, just I try not to be judgmental. I can't help it sometimes, but I don't see men. I want to see some men. Damn it. I sound, I sound like I'm making an ad for fucking Grinder. Y'all probably gonna come out of the woodworks on me. Hey man, is there there's some underlying issue you have and you need a man in your in your life? Look, I'm gonna tell you right now. If I were gay, I've always said this. If I were gay, I'd be gay with a fucking man, like a real man, like a manly, just ogre of a man, like like me, a nasty, stinky man. To where like when we would kiss, our beards would get stuck together like Velcro, and you wouldn't know whose beard was whose because it'd be all mashed up into one another. That's I, I just couldn't be gay with with a soft man. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't I have no problem with with being gay. It's just I couldn't do it with a soft man. I need a hard man with calluses on his hand. You know what I'm saying? Like like um like a real cowboy. Like that Brokeback Mountain shit. Hey, that's if you've never seen Brokeback Mountain, that's a good fucking story. I'll tell you one time I actually made. The firefighters at my firehouse watched that movie. And they were all, you know, like, oh, we ain't watching this shit. We ain't, what's wrong with you? And I was like, sit down. We're watching this fucking movie. It's beautiful. These two people love each other. And y'all gonna sit down and fucking watch it. And we're gonna eat spaghetti afterwards. God damn it. I bet you they fucking watched it. <laughs> fucking made them. Woo! Made them boys watch Brokeback Mountain. I love it. Um, It is a beautiful love story, though, if you've ever seen it. I remember me and my buddy Chris, we went camping one time. And I thought about that shit. I said, Chris. And he's a big son of a bitch. Big ogre motherfucker like me. And I told him. I said, Chris. If we were going to do some broke back shit. And this is me and him. Just miles out in the middle of the woods. Up by Lake Joe Cassie. And uh, I said, if we were going to do some broke back shit, man. It'd probably be with a dude like you. You know, because he dips um, grizzly. He, if, if y'all know what dip is, snuff. He puts that grizzly in his lip. And it just runs down his face. And I said, Chris, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I would get a nicotine buzz if I were to kiss you. Like, if, if we were going to do broke back, you'd be my dude. And he, Chris, Chris don't play that shit, boy. Chris is like, hey, hey God damn it. Like, we need to change subject. We need to talk about that shit. And he's like, when we hike out of here, you're up front, motherfucker. You ain't walking behind me. <laughs> so, um, that, that was funny because on the, on the hike out the next morning, it was raining and shit. And I was harassing Chris all the way up the hill because I actually ended up in the back and that made him walk a little faster because he's a slow hiker. And I was like, I'm going to get you. Don't let me catch up to you. Chris was, Chris was hiking out of there. Boy, let me tell you, we got so fucking hungry on that trip. I'm getting off topic, but I don't care. I got so hungry on that trip that uh, I remember when we got out, when we got out of the woods, it was pouring fucking rain. I've I exhausted all of my, my meals over the, over a couple of days and we get in the car or the truck and, uh, we we shit we get we get in our um ford fiesta car we had i'm kidding <laughs> we had a truck we had my big ass truck back then and uh we go to a gas station and the only thing it's weird when you get a hankering or a craving for something that you just have to have for some reason i i needed king size snickers bars uh 
And I don't know if it's because of that Betty White commercial or whatever. Um, but I was dying and I ate four of them and I almost, I almost passed out from stomach pain after that. Like I wanted to vomit so hard and I ate four snicker bars like a puppy, like them king size things. Um, but anyways, I want to get back to this morning at the beach. Um, y'all got to check out my next audio book when it comes out, because it's going to be stories like that. And it's going to literally just curveball after curveball. If you enjoyed some of that, those stories, I think you'll enjoy that audio book that I'm going to come out with. In May of 2022, baby, I'm already on chapter four of that bitch. Um, I don't know how many chapters, but they're all going to be like 40, 45-minute chapters. So it'll be pretty cool. So this morning, I'm stressed out. I remember I looked at both of my girls. I had my coffee in my hand. And I said, you know what? Because when we, those of us that suffer with uh, post-traumatic stress and and, and the uh, problems associated with that, all the different um, things that go along with it, a lot of times we look for excuses to not leave our comfortable little bubble, right? And my comfortable bubble, and many of you, your comfortable bubble is your house. And you'll find any excuse necessary to not leave, even if you got to make it somebody else's fault. And I found that that's what I, that's what I started doing. Like, so when my daughter told me she couldn't find her flip-flops, I was so, internally, I was so mad. I didn't express it to them. But I looked at her and I said, you know what? And I sip my coffee. I go, then we're not going to the beach. I said, I'm going to go sit outside and I'm going to have my coffee. And if y'all find your flip-flop in the next few minutes, then we can go to the beach. Because honestly, inside, I was praying they wouldn't find that flip-flop. Because I didn't want to leave my comfort, my comfort area, because out there in the world is chaos for me. And there's chaos for you. And those of us that go through the shit that we go through is chaotic. So we just try to stay in our safe zone. And like I told you guys a long time ago, I still have to deal with this every single day, every single day. I have to be cognizant of it and I have to be aware of it. And I don't deny it and I don't turn a blind eye to it. And when I went outside, I sat down, I realized immediately what I was doing. I said, I'm making an excuse to to be to not be uncomfortable and I can't do that. I can't punish my children who missed school today. I promised them the beach. I can't do that because of a goddamn flip-flop. That's no excuse. So I took another swig of my coffee, I manned the fuck up, and I set my my problems to the side and I said to myself out loud outside, I'm not making my problems their problem. We going to that fucking beach. And when I walked inside, they magically just found that damn shoe. And so I was like, all right, let's roll. And we went to the beach. And I can't tell you, we couldn't have had a better time. We could not have had a better time. And I was so excited to be out there with my two girls in that moment. I took a couple videos, put them on my story. They're doing cartwheels down the beach. They're finding sand dollars. We're standing there in the waves eating oranges together. They're talking to people. They're petting other dogs and stuff. And I sat there and I looked at them. And I felt horrible for them. I felt horrible in the sense that I'm your father and you have no idea what I go through. You have no idea the trouble and the strain that is on me. And I almost robbed you of this beautiful place this morning because of my bullshit. And as hard as that is for me to admit to openly to the, to the world, it's, it's 100% the truth. And I have to think about that every single decision that I make that's going to affect them. I can no longer selfishly let my problems affect them. 
You know, I, I, I preach that we got to be selfish. We have to be selfish in certain realms of life. Like I'm selfish to the point now where, look, I know what, I know what environment I need to make me healthy. That's my farm. I go get it. Uh, performing from time to time. I go get it. Being on the stages, talking to people about mental wellness. I go get it. And I also know what makes me sick. What makes me sick is being in this environment for too long. Being in this environment for more than two days at a time is chaos for me. It's, it's, it's very boring for me. It's safe, but it allows my mind to wander so much that it becomes dangerous for me. So I have to constantly get out of this environment and then come back to it, get out and come back. So last week when I went to my farm, I went three different days just for the day. One day I went up, played on the tractor, got some stumps out of the ground, came back home. Another day I just went up and sat on the fucking porch and ate oranges. And then another day I went up there and I cut, cut about six or seven acres worth of grass and said, you know what? I'll do some more next time I come back. And I put the mower up and I came back. And that's that, that's that balance that is so important to have when you're experiencing the things that we go through. Now, when we got back home from the beach, guess what? All of that stress, the second we came in, all of that internal anxiety that I had came right back to me. It came flooding back because when I'm home, that's what happens. We come in, we're, we're confined to these, uh, to these four walls and it's loud. You got dogs all over the place. The dog, dog chewed this up, may have pissed on the floor, the puppy that we have. Um, now I got to deal with that. And then I got two, two daughters who are screaming and fighting at each other. It's lunchtime. I got to make lunches. I'm not, I don't do well at that. And that's where I go back to the wiring sometimes. And sometimes I, I look at these beta males or these, maybe there are alpha dads out there that can control that. And maybe it is everything I've been through and how I was raised and all that. I don't know what it is, but I'm not Susie fucking homemaker. I'm not a dad that can wear an apron and be in the kitchen all day. I can't prepare the lunches for a week. I mean, if I have to, I could, but I'm not going to do it voluntarily. I'm not that dude. I'm just not that guy. And I'm not fucking sorry for it either. I remember I was hanging out with a buddy of mine at the beach one day. And we were talking about how he made lunches for his daughter all week. And I looked at him. I said, you made all the lunches? He said, yeah. You know, I, I fucking put all the lunches in there for the whole week and this and that. And I said, man, I have never done that one time. And he looked at me and goes, you don't feel like an asshole for that? I said, absolutely fucking not. I don't. I said, I promise you this. Well, I ain't going to say the rest of this. I'll leave that to your fucking imagination. But I'm just not that guy. Um. So I knew immediately when we got back home, I was like, all right, we got to get the fuck out of here. Um, I looked at the girls and said, what do y'all do? Y'all hungry? Because we were going to go eat, but we, we decided to go somewhere else. Um, and they're like, yeah, daddy, we want pancakes. I said, all right, come on, let's go to IHOP. So I take my girls, we go to IHOP. We go into IHOP, everything's fine. And within a within a split second, I'm already back to stress level DEFCON 6, right? My youngest daughter takes her straw and blows into the damn cup in it. Her water cup and bubbles go everywhere. It comes all over the, the counter. We got one little napkin to wipe it up with because the lady didn't leave us a lot of napkins. And now I don't I didn't freak out. That's not what I'm saying. But it's a feeling inside of me that I get. And I don't know if you guys get that too. Um, you ladies, I'm talking to everybody here, or is it, 
is that just a, an incident where I'm just supposed to be like, oh, that's okay. Let's just wipe it the fuck up. Because I teach my children better. I teach them, look, be kids, but don't horseplay, especially in public. Don't act like a fucking asshole in public. And so I look at my youngest daughter and I'm like, you know better. You know better than to do that because I've gotten on to you multiple times for doing that and you still fucking did it. I remember I cut my kid's ass one time in an Arby's in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> and people looked at me like, the fuck? But we we were actually in Conway, Conway, South Carolina. You country motherfuckers out there, boy. And uh, this lady looked at me and goes, that's how you do it. And she was like giving me the nod because my daughter said something smart when she was young and I popped her ass. But I just expect better from from my kids, you know. And um, but then inside, I'm kind of like, I shouldn't let this bother me that much. But what do you do? You at, you let them act like assholes, and you don't teach them, and you see the result of that. They're going to be assholes. So I'm sitting there. We get this cleaned up. Everything's fine. We have a good breakfast, and I'm watching this guy. And I don't know why I let things like this bother me. I guess. It's because I come from the tactical side of things. And I see this guy. He's he's probably my age, maybe just a little bit younger. He's sitting there waiting for his breakfast, but he's he's so glued to his phone. People are walking past his table. He's never looking up. I'm watching everybody because I'm a hypervigilant motherfucker. And he had, I don't think he looked up one time. He was glued to his phone. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, if things break bad in here, he's never going to see it coming. He's not going to want, know what to do. He's not going to have a plan of action, a, a pre-planned thought in his head of what he should do if this happens, if that happens. He's going to become a fucking liability to me because he's probably going to come over here and try to hide under my table where I'm going to try to put my kids. You know what I mean? And and these are the things that I'm thinking about while we're trying to eat chocolate chip pancakes at IHOP and we just got off the beach. This shit never leaves you. I'm constantly pre-planning stuff like that. And then I thought for a minute, I was envious of that guy. I looked and I was, I remember thinking while my daughters were, were just having a good conversation about strawberries on the oldest one's pancakes. I remember looking at a guy thinking, I wish I could be in that bubble. I wish that I had that much comfort and relaxation in my body because it must feel so fucking nice. It probably feels euphoric to be able to relax. And that's something I cannot do. That's something I don't think I'll ever have the ability to do. And I try it. God damn, I try so hard. But this stuff, the hypervigilance that we experience, it, it will not let you relax. We're constantly assessing. Constantly. I dropped my car off this morning. My Let me, let me, let me back up. I dropped my motherfucking minivan off this morning, baby. Yes, sir. That black soccer dad van. I had to get the tires rotated. I could do it myself if I had to van up in the country because I have all my equipment up there. I don't have my equipment here. Um, and I needed I needed a patch. They got I got a slow leak in one of the tires. So anyway, I dropped the van off and I'm walking through the parking lot. This is no bullshit. I drop it off behind the building. The business is closed. They open at 7.30. I drop it off. What time do you think I dropped it off? If they open at 7.30, what time do you think I parked my fucking van? 6.25 a.m. I was parked. That's what I mean. So I parked that thing. And I'm walking to the front of the building. And I have to cut between other cars. This is where my mind is now. I'm literally looking. 
I'm not like looking, but I'm scanning the tar the, the parking lot. Um, before I walk by a car, I gaze kind of like underneath it. Hell, there could be somebody underneath that thing waiting to get you. Um, and we live in a very, very nice part of town where that shit doesn't happen. But I still do that. And I'm, I'm scanning for threats constantly, and it's goddamn exhausting. The problem with that is my past will not let me unsee the things I've seen. That my past will not let me unexperience the things that I have experienced. Therefore, my world, that world, is my reality. Where I'm envious to people that have never been exposed to that. We're kind of all over the place on this one. But man, what I want to really, really say is this. I would love to start seeing some hard men. You know? Like, I mean real hard men. Again. I remember growing up. You nasty motherfuckers. See, y'all just took that somewhere else. I know exactly what y'all are thinking. And I was. That's not what I meant. When I grew up, I was surrounded by nothing but burly ass men. And you don't see that, man. It it, it bugs the shit out of me. Y'all know who Whitey Morgan is? Whitey Morgan is an outlaw country singer. And my buddy of mine asked me to go to a concert with him one time. Against my better judgment, I fucking went. Because I don't like being in loud, confined places. But let me tell you something. You talk about man crush. Not on Whitey Morgan. When I walked in there, I felt like I was at home. I felt like every man that's left in this world was in that building. And it was like this old school honky tonk vibe. With a bunch of good old boys in there just fucking slapping their sides and spitting chaw and drinking beer. And I was like, hell yeah. I mean, they're damn near looking at me like I'm a sweet bitch, you know, and I ain't no sweet bitch, but hey, compared to them, some of them boys. And then that was the first time I went and I've been back multiple times because it honestly reminds me of when I was young and kind of the environment I grew up in. I tell a story in my book about y'all think I'm bullshit and I got this this audio this other audiobook that's gonna come out next year. I tell a story about going to pick my dad up from a honky tonk when I was five years old. My sister was eight. My mother dropped him off earlier that night in his big four wheel drive truck and we drive up there to pick him up because he was drunk and the place was closing down. And I won't tell you the rest of the story because that's gonna be in my book, but my sister at eight years old drove us home. Now you're probably wondering why why didn't your fucking mama drive you back? Well, my dad, my dad called the shots and my dad said, she's going to drive us back and it didn't end well. And <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. So at eight years old and my sister and five years old, I remember going up into them honky tonks and dragging my dad out of there and seeing these boys, <laughs> seeing the big old boys in there with that goddamn velvet looking chest hair hanging out of them damn shirts. That's why I don't know if y'all ever see on my Instagram. A lot of times if I have a button-up shirt, I, shit, I'm missing the top three buttons because I'm bringing that shit back, man. I don't have the chest hair my daddy had. I remember being, my dad has so much chest hair when I was little. I remember when he would lay down with his shirt off on the floor, I'd take a little Hot Wheels car and I'd drive it all over his chest and pretend like the car was in the woods. That's how much chest hair he had. Like, I don't have that much chest hair. Like, if if I had a son and he did that to me, he'd be like, oh, look. There's one tree. Let me go around it. And and that would be it. It would be like he was in a neighborhood 
cutting through cul-de-sac and there's like a little tree in the middle that's kind of about the extent of that so i missed out on the chest hair um and my uncle was the same way them boys had some chest hair on them and that's i kind of think that i i don't know man i feel a little bit robbed in the chest hair category i mean i got some other good attributes like i have a full head of hair at 43 my dad started thinning out when he was my age and mine it's like i get more hair as as i get older so i have thick thick head of hair on my on my head um this is just a weird episode look i don't know if we if we answered any questions on this but i think we raised a few um i think we raised some very interesting questions and (laughs) this is gonna be awkward but guess good i think we're making progress i think we discussed a few uncomfortable things then hopefully that Maybe some of you can see that you're not by yourself. You know, we're doing the best we can as parents or those of us that are in relationships. You do the best you can. And there's things that trigger you nonstop. And it's a constant battle of overcoming the anxiety caused by those triggers. And how do we handle that? And I'm big on focusing on myself as far as not letting other people control my emotions. And I don't always win with that. And it's um it's a constant struggle, it's a constant state of um peace that I'm after. But it all starts with your mind and it all starts with your initial thoughts to a to a certain situation and how you want to react. You want to go caveman or do you want to go civilized? Um cuz caveman don't get you anywhere. Caveman digs you a hole. Makes you feel good. Lets you pound your chest a little bit. But that's about that's about all. But the other side of that is when you when you take the diplomatic approach, sometimes you don't fix the problem. And I think the sweet spot lies in between those two. Diplomatic caveman. Boom. I think I just came up with the name of this episode. That's exactly what it's going to be. Fuck it. With that, I'm out. Y'all have a good one.